it wouldn't surprise you to know that Alan had instructions written out on what we were supposed to do today. He had a he had a file. Everything was planned out exactly as he wanted, exactly what he wanted. And Lisa told me on Monday that my name was in that file, that he wanted me to do that. And I, I am humbled by that. I feel wholly inadequate. I knew Alan as a teacher. I knew him as a co-worker. We worked together for several years. I, I always knew him as a friend, but I never knew Alan as a coach. And when I think of Alan Lord, that title defines who he is and who he, who he always was. And so as I went to the Bible for comfort and, I, and to find some words for our time together, I found a passage that I think speaks to the character of Alan Lord, Coach, the man we all saw him to be, no matter how we knew him, no matter what we knew him as, how we, how we saw him. And these are the words of the Apostle Paul seeking to inspire a church, the church in Corinth. And I think in many ways, Paul was a coach for the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24, he writes this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I think about the Apostle Paul encouraging the, the people in the church in Corinth to do greater than they thought they could, greater than they, than they could on their own. And I think of Alan, the coach, encouraging so many to greatness as a team and greatness that they didn't see in themselves. And I think there's qualities here in this text that Alan modeled for us. We need models. We need people that show us how to live these out. Alan modeled these qualities in some wonderful ways. More than modeled, though, he called each of us to these qualities so that we would see them in our own lives. I think Alan modeled self-control. Uh, there in verse 25, Paul writes, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Uh, the idea behind the Greek word for self-control there is that you would be one whole person, that you would be the same inside as out, that you would have power over yourself, and it's a quality we should strive for. And through his lessons, through his coaching, through his conditioning, Allen helps others find that as well. So many of his players, I've, I've read the comments on Facebook, so many of his players have commented about how grueling his coaching could be, but it paid off. And even later in life, they continued to benefit from all that he taught. Allen modeled that self-control in many ways. Some of those ways were frustrating. I was talking with Rick a little bit earlier, and Rick would tell me, and, and Lisa told me about the endless hours that Rick spent underneath the basketball goal because Alan had to make, Rick says it was 10, uh, 10 free throws in a row every night, right? And he would purposefully miss the ninth or the 10th just so he could start all over again and rain or snow or whatever was going on. Rick was out there catching the ball and putting it back, giving it back. But there were so many comments about Allen's free throws, about how he never missed. I will never forget him telling us, as long as you get it in the square, it'll go in the basket. By the way, that does not work. I've tried. 
I can't even get it to the square anymore, but it never worked for me. And then the comments of Alan on his knees at half court making the shot over and over again. Alan modeled self-control. Alan modeled discipline also. Verses 26 and 27. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Some of your Bibles would say, I treat myself severely. That sounds very harsh. Uh, a more literal translation is, I wear myself out. Does that not sound like Alan? I wear myself out. And I have heard more than one of Alan's players comment that practices wore them out, drilling over and over again. They were brutal. But I get the idea those lessons stayed with you. And whether you still play basketball or not, you became more disciplined in other areas of life because of those lessons you learned. Now, I hope you don't get the idea that Alan was born disciplined. He wasn't. It was something he had to learn. Alan was, Alan was ill as a child, and he was held back a year in school because of those illnesses, and so he graduated with Mary, his younger sister. Both of them headed off to Lakeland, and it seemed like the most natural thing for them to do was to move in together, get a trailer together, and it was perfect. <laughs> It was perfect for a younger, less disciplined Alan Lord because Mary was there to cook and to clean. I wasn't as disciplined. <laughs> disciplined. And to type term papers. And to her, it was just nice that her big brother wanted to be around her, but Alan needed her. Some of you knew him by different titles. You knew him as brother. You knew him as father. You knew him as grandfather. You knew him as husband, son-in-law. And each one of you has stories, but, but knowing Alan, there is remarkable consistency to every one of those stories. And I think that's one of the benefits of discipline. You start the story. You could start a story and someone else could finish that story. I think of Braxton. Braxton and the long late night talks with the night owl uh, grandfather that you had. I think about Jason telling me about Alan stopping by after work and talking for hours. Both of you could tell that what he shared was vital and what he shared was, was part of himself. And one other thing, Alan, Alan Lord modeled humanity for all of us. It would probably surprise some of you to know that Alan Lord was not perfect. No, it seemed like maybe you're surprised. Alan Lord was not perfect. He was the health teacher who smoked. He was the driver's ed teacher who refused to wear his seatbelt. <laughs> But he, he never hid those failings from us. He never pretended they weren't there. In fact, he spoke to us honestly. I remember, the, I remember the smoking section in health class and how he told us about his addiction and how he had tried to fight it. I remember driver's ed instruction. And Alan taught me something that I use every day. And driving also. I, you know, he, he taught me how to drive. But I remember him telling about the accident that kept him from wearing a seatbelt. None of this was hypocrisy, in other words. He didn't hide it. It wasn't hypocrisy. None of it disqualified him. It showed us that he was human. When Alan was in high school, to give you an example of how human he could be, one night he decided to sneak out of the house. And, and the best thing he could think to do was to sneak out of a second floor window. But he didn't think about how he would get back in. And so... 
he came home, he came, tried the front door, and as he was jiggling the, the handle, his mother happened to be walking by and panicked her. She yelled, burglar, and the next thing you know, the whole house was up, and his father grabbed the gun and chased Alan around the yard, running, dodging, weaving, trying to convince him, it's me, Dad, it's me, it's your son. Alan was human, and, and those... Those failings he had did not disqualify him. He used those, fa those failings to teach us all the more. There was a story that I heard over and over again, so much so that I, I started to wonder if it was true, if it was maybe apocryphal or not. At least it confirmed the story. Alan would not allow foul language from his players. He would not tolerate that. And if you, if you did, I think you had to run wind sprints in the gym for every word, I think, that you, that you said. And one night there was a particularly frustrating game, and Alan felt that the referees had missed a few calls, I think, and that they hadn't quite done their job, and he responded with some colorful language that night, and he let it fly. And the next night at practice, he told the boys to sit on the bleachers, and they watched as their coach ran wind sprints for every word that he used. And he held them to the same standard he was going to hold himself to. He was not above that standard. I graduated in 85. I wasn't there later for the, that bigger victory that came along later. But I remember the junior high basketball team. I think it was the 84-85 team and how amazing they were. You would go to a high school basketball game and there'd be no one there. But you'd go to a junior high game and the stands were packed. Everybody was there and and I the kids did amazingly well. I rode the bus with them so many times because I'd go to the away games and, and watch them. I, I remember one away game where they did not do well and it was dead silent on that bus. He would not allow any talking but I remember the night that they took home a trophy, an amazing trophy. They did very well. And I was back in the locker room after the game, and I heard Alan talking to them. I heard their coach talking to them. He, he thanked them for playing. And in the midst of what was a really big win, he, he corrected them on a few things they hadn't done right, let them know. He was still the coach. And I've never forgotten what he said, and I've never forgotten how he said it, because his voice, he was choking up. He was, his voice caught. And I heard him say to his players, go get your prize. Go get, not your trophy, go get your prize. And they headed back out, went to center court, and received their trophy. Go get your prize. I hope you hear what the Apostle Paul said. Run in such a way that you may get the prize, that you may go get the prize. Live your life in such a way that when the end comes, you have nothing to be ashamed of. You know who you are and others know who you are. They know what you're capable of and you know what you're capable of. And you know, you know to whom you must bow, not Lord by name, but Lord of life, who is your Lord, who it is that you must profess. It was last, last Thursday when Charles called me, and he said, Alan died. And, and I, I talked with a few friends, and you, you probably heard it from a friend, or maybe you heard it from an old, some of you heard it from old team members. Maybe you heard the words, Mr. Lord died, Alan died, Big A, <laughs> Big A died, Coach died. 
That's what we heard. But I'm convinced that Alan Lord heard the words, go get your prize. And that's why today we can celebrate a life well lived, a life of devotion, a life of faith, a life where he taught not just from a, from a book, not just from a lesson plan, but he taught with his life. I want to close with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The words that, that just mean so much to me here are those words, He restores my soul. It's an interesting phrase. It means He, he sets things right within me kind of has the idea that he puts me back up on my feet. And it, and it is a shepherding term. Uh, one of the problems that with sheep, one of the things that shepherds have to watch out for isn't just that there might be a wolf or a bear or, or that a sheep might fall in a hole, but sheep, when they're laden with wool, when they're very heavy with wool, if they fall over, they can't get back up. They're kind of like turtles. If they fall over, they can't get back up on their feet. And, and a sheep, uh, the, the shepherds call that cast. The sheep is cast. And the, the sheep will lay there and it will stress itself out. It will kick its feet and, and kick and kick until it just wears itself out. And very often a sheep can die because it's, it's fallen off its feet. It's been knocked off its feet. And so the shepherd's job is to watch for those sheep that might fall over. And when he finds one, he goes to it, he sits down beside it, and he'll start petting the sheep and rubbing its legs and, and slowly restoring the, the, the circulation to those legs. And after it's rested a while, he can pick that sheep back up and restore it. He can put it back on its feet. And pretty soon it's able to walk, and, and then it bounds off, and it goes and it plays with the other sheep. You've been knocked off your feet right now. You've been knocked off your feet. And sometimes it's going to feel like you just can't go on. But the promise of that psalm, the promise of those words, He restores my soul, is that our Savior comes alongside us our, as a comforter. He, he, he's there when we're hurting. And He's there in, in, in His own presence. He's there in the presence of friends and family and, and churches that love us. And little by little, He restores our soul. And a day will come when you can stand on your feet again. A day can come when, when you're not only going to be able to walk on your own, but you can run. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank You for that promise. We thank You. We thank You that in this moment, as this family and these friends know the reality of being knocked off their feet, we know that You restore souls. And we... We know your presence. We know your peace. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes to us as a comforter. And I thank you that through him so many gather around us and they love us and they feed us and they, they help us to get back on our feet. I thank you for a life well lived, uh, just a, an exemplary life. But I thank you that Alan knew you and that, that, that long before he committed to being a coach, he had committed himself to you. And so, Lord, we come today celebrating. We come today thanking you 
for your faithfulness. Thank you for a prize that's been won, not because he was so good, but because you're such a good Savior. Lord, we commit his earthly remains to the earth. We commit his soul to the one who judges justly. And we trust, we trust in the prize that you have for every one of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.